If you're innovating, creating, or making a difference, this show is for you. Welcome to Over Coffee. I'm Dot Cannon. Here on Over Coffee, we talk with artists and innovators about the process of changing the world in terms of what they do. You can find community within VR, within Ruby. You can be teaching, maybe you have a kid that you can't access because you're stuck in your house. We also have a 3D model loader, which is something you can't do in real life. So there are some tools that we have that give you an advantage over, say, a physical classroom or meeting space. You're stuck at home. You'd really like to keep your mind busy, maybe learn a new skill, or you'd love to collaborate with others on creative work. Or maybe with the coronavirus pandemic, you're homeschooling and looking for resources and some new ways to do that with some bored young people around the house. Seattle-based startup Doghead Simulations wants to help, and they're doing something pretty unprecedented. They have a VR platform known as Roomy, which they are making available for free during the coronavirus pandemic. And more good news, you don't have to have a VR headset in order to use it. Chance Glasgow is the co-founder and chief operating officer of Doghead Simulations. Chance, before we get to talking about Rumi and the ways it's making life easier during COVID-19, I'd like to know a little bit more about you as an artist. How did virtual reality first spark your imagination as this is the medium I really want to work in? Yeah, so I grew up, you know, playing video games. I was born in 1980, you know, exposed to my first Atari 2600, probably about 1982, 1983. And then didn't really play much games until... I'd say when I was probably about nine or ten, you know, Nintendo or sorry, maybe like seven, seven, eight, nine, ten, got like Nintendo, and then I got into PC gaming, and it was really PC gaming that kind of, you know, kind of early '90s PC gaming that got me into wanting to make games. And any person that you know is into games or anything creative, the the idea of being able to like a book or you know, reading, you know, you want to be in what you're experiencing and you're so mentally engulfed in whether it's the game or the book that if you could visit it and be there that would be really amazing and so as a kid i knew vr was just an idea that we didn't really have the technology to support yet but i knew in the future it would probably be more likely and so fast forward uh, i go to school for animation at full cell university in orlando and end up working on a game called Medal of Honor Allied Assault after I graduate, which was a Steven Spielberg offshoot from Saving Private Ryan. And then after that project, 22 of us left, we formed a new company called Infinity Ward and had to create a franchise that would actually compete with the Medal of Honor franchise, and that's how we created the very first Call of Duty. And so I worked on Call of Duty for 13 years and got really just burned out, overworked in the industry, quit, moved to Brazil for two and a half, three years, and actually started Doghead while I was living in Brazil as a tool to work remotely because I was having issues with the bad internet that I had. And I was in Rio, I was two streets from a favela. The internet was just horrible. And the good thing about virtual reality conferencing is you're not sending video, and so the amount of data you're sending over the internet is smaller. So if you have a bad connection, it's going to work out better than video conferencing. And fast forward to now where Rumi is both an award winner and you've done something very cool. You have made this free for the duration of the pandemic, if I understand correctly. Exactly, yeah. We're usually, you know, we usually have a trial mode, which is, you know, three people for free, and then every person after that is fourteen ninety nine per person per month. 
But we realized we need to try to keep the economy moving, you know, keep people earning money while we're all locked inside for what's probably going to be the next couple of months, at least. Maybe it's hard to tell, but looking at the math and the numbers and the charts and the data that's coming in, I don't think we're going to be going outside much anytime soon. So as a result, I figured, hey, you know, at least, you know, I can sit home in my little battle center and get the word out and try to help people that are trying to find better ways to work together. And especially those, you know, we we are a, a VR application for conferencing, but we do allow non-VR users. But especially for those who do have VR, it allows them to meet with other people in VR and actually feel as if they're in the same environment. You know, it basically, virtual reality has gotten so good these days that your subconscious brain just kind of buys in to the location that you visited. So, you know, it almost feels like you're going somewhere rather than playing a game, you know. So using that technology and putting a bunch of people in the same room, you know, have basically something that simulates a real-life meeting or a classroom. Let's look at some of the ways this is going to serve some of the people who are having to sit at home for, we think, maybe the next couple of months. It could even be longer, unfortunately. What about some of the parents who are having to homeschool their kids? Let's say that we have a family here. They're homeschooling. We get roomy. How might we use it? Yeah, I mean, I think a great way is just, you know, connect your kids with other kids. You know, obviously, they're going to be stuck inside. They're not going to go outside and play in other people's houses and, and hang out with other kids. So, you know, finding, um, basically, you can find community within VR, within Rumi. You know, you can be teaching, you know, let's say maybe you have a kid that you can't access because you're stuck in your house and your kid's in maybe your husband or wife's house or something, and for some reason you can't travel. You could even use that as a way just to see your kids, to hang out with them, you know, to watch some movies in VR with them or, you know, play with some, some 3D models or something. That was kind of mind-blowing to me. I looked at your Roomy 2.0, and you can watch a movie. If I'm not mistaken, there's a whiteboard in here. So are we talking about people changing and writing things in virtual reality, too? Yeah, you can put the whiteboard. We've got a whiteboard, but you can also overlay the whiteboard on top of different tools. So, for instance, let's say you've got a keynote or a PowerPoint presentation that you save out of the PDF, and then you import it to Roomy. You could whiteboard or mark over presentation, you know, as you're giving it, or, you know, pause a video and circle something, say you're a director of photography or something. We also have a 3D model loader, which is something you can't do in real life. So there are some tools that we have that give you an advantage over, say, a physical classroom or meeting space. So let's say right now we've got someone who's working on a commercial building in New York City, an architect, and we'll say that this commercial building is in Orlando, Florida, right? You know, they're doing trips between Orlando and New York. Now they can't. Or maybe they're just sending over, like, you know, screenshots of the project or whatnot. Well, at this, what they could do is you could have the architect in VR using Rumi import the 3D model of the house and then have the client who's in Orlando also join that same meeting and they can walk through that house in scale together like they're there. You know, see the placement of the doors and, you know, the scale and get an idea of the feel, the size of everything. And, you know, that's something you couldn't do, you know, before VR existed. So the ability to do that remotely with other people, up to 40 people in the same room, that's a pretty powerful and useful experience. And that's just one example, you know. Another example, like a real-world example, is Harvard uses this. They are using this for the Egyptology class, and so they actually have a combined class with Zhejiang University in China. And so they've got Chinese students and kids in Boston, all in virtual reality, in the same 
3D model of an Egyptian pyramid with a PhD in Egyptology who's also at Harvard teaching all of them. You know, so not only can we have remote class, but we can have class in environments that relate to the actual subject that we're learning about, you know. And there's plenty of resources online, you know, some free, some paid environments you can buy to bring in, you know, say, if you've got a history class, why not go on a VR field trip together, you know. Let's talk about some of your favorite free resources online for teachers especially. I'm going to assume that people need to kind of stay on a budget. What are some of the ones that really you would like and would recommend? I mean, I'm not, I don't come from a teaching background, so I'm so focused on this VR stuff. You know, I'm more from a game background. So as far as free resources, that I'm trying to think of anything that is unexpected or out of the norm. For communication outside of Rumi, you know, a lot of, actually a lot of gamers, we use something called Discord. And Discord was originally started for kind of the video game community, but it's become such a more useful tool for pretty much just any kind of remote teams. And now with education being remote and more online, you know, it's kind of the same as having a remote team, except they're just kids, right? So Discord, it's a messenger. You know, you've got different channels you can post to within the server you're invited to. You can share images. It's just kind of like a command center that's outside of VR. So Discord, I recommend, if you heard of Slack, it's kind of like Slack, but a little more media heavy. Really good screen share as well, better than Skype and, and Zoom, I think. So check out Discord, even though it wasn't created for the purpose of education. It's great for it, for any kind of team-based activities. This sounds like a great one. We've covered this a little bit, but suppose somebody listening has never had a virtual reality experience before, and they don't know quite what to expect when they get roomy, and let's say that person does not have a VR headset yet. What's their experience going to be? What do they see? What do they experience? Well, for those who've never even tried VR, once they do try it, to describe it, it's the closest thing to describe it to is it's like it's closest to real life, really. I mean, when you're in roomy in VR, you know, it's kind of like you're in a digital-looking environment with digital-looking characters, but they have life behind them, right? They have, you know, they're talking, they have their body language, for the people that are not in VR, they're basically using their mouse and keyboard, you know, using WASD to move around. Just like you would play, say, like Counter-Strike or Call of Duty, same movement controls you have in pretty much every first-person game or application out there. And they basically are going to experience the same meeting. There's a couple tools that are VR specific they can't use, but they can still see them. So, for instance, we have a 3D pen. And imagine a 3D whiteboard where you have a pen and you can write in space and it just sticks and just stays there in 3D space. So they can't use that because they're on a mouse. But other than that, they're going to see the other people using it. So if they're a student and they're just using their regular PC or Mac, you know, they're still going to see the teacher in VR, whoever else is in VR, using the VR tools. But I think what's really interesting about social VR is if you think of the history of humankind, you know, we've been communicating through a very, very complex exchange of facial movement, eye movement, vocal intonation, body language, all these very complex factors. And what's happening when we have a conversation with people is these complex factors are leading to us getting little shots of either dopamine or serotonin to enjoy the conversation, right? Well, what has happened over the last 100 years or so in effort to you know, basically close the distance between people we've stripped out the human aspects of communication, right? And so if you think of, for instance, Facebook, everyone's fighting and arguing. Well, they're fighting and arguing, 
because they're just exchanging data. There's nothing human behind it, right? You just see text. You don't see the human behind it. When, like, if you're out getting a coffee or having a beer with somebody and you're having a political conversation, they might say something that you don't like, but you're still seeing that they're human behind that thought, and you're not going to react in the same way that you might react online, where it's just like, I don't like your data, you know? <laughs> that makes sense. And so we're just getting studies for the first time because, you know, social media has been around long enough to get these studies of people that have grown up on social media and overconsumed it since they were, you know, seven or something, eight, nine, you know, young ages, and they're finding that people that have overconsumed social media and have not balanced it out with face-to-face socialization, right, and they're facing a lot of issues with depression, anxiety. And so now, you know, we've hit the bottom, which is like, say, you know, Facebook, text only, you know, instead of smiling, people just like, right? It's not complex. It's not even binary. It's just like or no like. And so we've simplified this human communication, this response down to something really dumb, really simple. And overuse can actually socially dumb down our brains to only respond to this simplified version of liking something, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And so with VR, we're actually we're capturing your body language. We have newer VR headsets have eye trackers, so we can track your eye movement. And because we're collecting this data, we can collect this data, we can put it on an avatar, and in real time, you're seeing how the person's moving, you're seeing how the person talks. You might be seeing how their eyes moving if you have, you know, more advanced headsets. So we're basically finding ways to reapply human aspects and like human characteristics to digital conversations through VR, so we can bring it back to a human experience. That would not have occurred to me either that VR is restoring the human element. Yep. <laughs> what are some of the ways that we may not have thought of so far that VR can serve communities during the pandemic? One really cool thing, I mean, right now the best way that it's serving communities in pandemic is it's giving people reasons to stay inside and ways to get stuff done inside, right? Some other cool things that we've done, I've worked with you know, Dr. Brooke Bellow at More to Life, that's a nonprofit in South Florida that fights against human trafficking, helps victims of human trafficking you know, get on their feet, get jobs, live normal lives and all that. And so I met her at a panel that I was doing, and she'd approached me and told me about an issue that they had within human trafficking with the victims. And it said, like, say, for instance, let's say you're a kid that was born in, like, South Central Los Angeles, and you're trafficked. And then you were adopted by parents in like Salt Lake City, Utah, at age like seven or eight or maybe ten or whatever. Well, when those kids that grew up in say, you know, a rough part of LA go to a place like Salt Lake City, well, good luck finding them a therapist that can relate to their culture. You know, like you know, going from that place to Salt Lake City, right? And so they wanted to bridge the distance between the therapists and the victims of human trafficking. And I was like, I know we can do that because it's what our software does already with everyone else. I was like, I think that if we do a study or we dig into this, we're going to find that the actual victims open up with their therapists sooner than they do face-to-face. And so we went down to Miami, worked with a state attorney, did a test with, I think, like four or five victims, and every single one of them opened up with the therapist way sooner. And so Brooke wrote a white paper on it, a little study out of it. So, you know, there's a lot of positive social implications, you know, people with Asperger's or, you know, that are high function on the spectrum that have issues with socializing face-to-face in person. This is kind of like 
almost like a gateway drug to socializing in a sense, you know, because <laughs> you're, you're there and you're talking to someone, you're seeing their body language, but you can just take that headset off and escape this, and just escape the scene if you feel uncomfortable, you know. So it gives people with social anxiety a place to safely express themselves. It's a whole lot less threatening than actual face-to-face. Yeah, for sure. When we talk about social problems, a big social problem we're going to have, unfortunately, with COVID-19 is unemployment. What are some of the ways you foresee VR perhaps helping people either keep their small businesses or maybe get working again if they've been laid off? I mean, I guess the best way to look at it is it's kind of, um, you know, in a sense, you know, for a long time, video conferencing has been the closest way to meet people without meeting them. And as a result, you know, video conference replaced a lot of travel. I would say VR conferencing or rooming can replace a like significantly higher percentage of travel than video conferencing because it's closer to being there with somebody. So it was basically is going to serve the same purpose that a lot of these other technologies for communicating has, except bring us closer to that face-to-face meeting experience. So anything that requires face-to-face, I mean, for instance, we have, you know, a company that sells really high-end display cases to, like, grocery stores, right? And they used to fly, basically fly a bunch of salespeople from, you know, the other side of the country over to where they are so they could see their physical huge steel display cases. And now what they're doing is they've got the actual 3D models of display cases. They can just send the headsets over to the buyers, send, like, three or four headsets, and then have a meeting with them and they can walk around in basically a showroom of their display cases without traveling to, say, California, right? So, yeah, like, you know, viewing products, you know, like anything that's important to see scale in, you know, like a house. When you get in there, graphically, it's not like it's indistinguishable from reality, but your brain is receiving all the important information for you just to kind of buy into it as like an alternate reality, if that makes sense. And so when you come out of VR, it's funny, when you remember about experience you had in VR, whether it was a game or a meeting, your brain kind of registers it as a, like a dream you had, almost, or something that actually occurred, because your entire peripheral vision, or your whole vision is full, right? You're immersed in that environment. So your brain isn't storing it in the same way that it would like a web video call or something, right? That's probably forgettable. So <laughs> I've heard someone relate VR to having a dream in many ways. It is just you believe it, you're there. It's pretty incredible stuff. Yeah, it's very dreamlike. It's like being inside a video game, basically. It occurs to me that if you work with somebody who can show off these high-end cases, it might also be possible for a maker, for example, or somebody who designs robots or somebody who does crafts to show off their work as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, we can bring in 3D models and animations. So, you know, someone could bring in their robot design and, you know, put some animations on it and see how it moves. You know, we've had entire, like, F-18s inside of our meetings. You know, we've had T-Rexes in our meetings. You know, I have a friend who, he's actually a pastor of a VR church. Like, his church literally exists in virtual reality. He lives in a RV with his family, and he's physically driving around the country, basically visiting and talking about what he's doing, you know, with him, his three kids, and his dog and his wife, <laughs> all in an RV. And then on Sundays, he goes into VR, and there's... You know, I think they're probably up to like close to 100 people that show up on a regular basis. And what was kind of sad is that I remember you know, talking to him 
and just him expressing how frustrated he was trying to get other people within the American church to believe in, like, this technology and why it's good, and they just laughed at him, like, you know, thinking it's, like, some weird fantasy thing, and now people can't go to church, you know? So who's laughing now? (laughs) This is a catalyst that I'm sure he wouldn't have wanted, but... Yeah, I mean, you have a Christian pastor that was literally getting more support from atheists and agnostics than he was Christians because they couldn't, they didn't understand the technology. And now all of a sudden it's clicking with everybody because they're like, well, we can't crowd hundreds of people in this building. We're all going to get sick. And uh, staying home and doing a video conference is not the same, at least in VR. You can walk around and, and talk to people, you know. I mean, most people go to church for community, and you don't get that feeling of community through video conferencing, right? You just don't feel like you're there with people. And so VR allows that. And whether it's church or it's just, you know, a nonprofit or just any kind of common interest that people have, I mean, that's just the most classic example. It helps you build that community and feel like you have that community and doesn't have that distance aspect of a video conference, you know, where you're just seeing part of someone, you know, in a small window that's filling up a small part of your vision. Again, what's the maximum number of people that, for example, could come to his church service? Oh, um, 40 users is the maximum you have in one room for our software. DJs, he's using, a, he actually uses different, like multiple different social platforms. Ours is actually geared more towards productivity than it is huge mass groups of people, you know, whether it's a full classroom or just having a meeting. There's other social VR programs out there that are more geared towards meeting random people and just socializing with strangers. Ours is more of an invite only. You know, you have to be on the team to be in the meeting kind of situation. This is more germane to the makers and the educators whom this podcast reaches, the ones who will invite specific people. Before we go on, where can people find out more about Rumi? Yeah, so I would recommend if you're on Steam, and if you know what Steam is, it's the most you know popular, I guess, portal for purchasing or downloading video games and VR and software. So if you have Steam, get us on Steam. Just type in Rumi, R-U-M-I-I. Steam will auto-update, which is great. That's why I prefer it. You'll find the Steam website at steampowered.com. That's steampowered.com. The other option is you can go to www.dogheadsimulations.com and you can click on the link to the proper version. We work on the Oculus Go. We work on the Oculus Quest via sideloading on an app called SideQuest. We're on the HTC Vive, the Rift, pretty much every major PC headset for the most part, and also desktop. And if you have a PC or Mac that's been made within, say, the last probably five or six years, you should be fine as far as using the non-VR desktop version. This is great. Thank you for what you're doing. What's next for you with Rumi? Where would you like to take it now that you have version 2.0? Gosh, it's hard to say. I mean, we've had such a huge spike in interest just the last couple of weeks. I think I think over the last three weeks, we've almost like tripled or quadrupled our usage or monthly users or something. It's Yeah, it's really just taking off because everyone's interested in something better than video conferencing because most people don't like it. <laughs> it's awkward. <laughs> So, yeah, just basically improving the product. I would like to see the building have custom avatars. We'd like to implement custom rooms in the future where you could more easily, you know, have your own custom environment, like your own meeting space, which you can do now, but there's, you know, we want to kind of streamline experience. So basically improving the product and just finding out what features people want the most right now, you know, and hopefully 
the VR headsets will stay in stock. You know, they're right now the Oculus Quest is hard to find in stock. The Oculus Go is great for this though. It's 150 bucks. Sometimes you can find it cheaper. And you know, for 150 dollars, there's definitely not a better headset for 150 dollars. But I be- definitely recommend the Oculus Quest if you can get a hold of one. It's just Oculus Go would be the best backup for inexpensive, accessible, easy to use VR. Oculus Quest were a little bit hard to get a hold of before COVID-19, but let's hope people have good luck finding it. Yeah. Also, you're really giving back to the community with this, but what do you need? How can people best support you as we go through the COVID-19 pandemic? So we are, you know, like I said, everything is free, you know, up to 40 users, you know, usually 15 bucks per person per month. We do have server costs. So if any of these large companies, organizations, would you know like to help us out any sort of just donation to help us keep our servers up in this time that we're not accepting any money and have to we're basically losing money for the next two or three months you know to keep us going any donations are fine but then again you know maybe just donate to someone who's got COVID-19 that needs the help of a ventilator or something that might be a better donation so yeah they're welcome to donate but you know no pressure <laughs> so we'll figure this out I've got a video game consulting job that's you know that's going to hopefully keep paying the bills while I'm hopefully trying to, you know, keep growing roomy and get that out there. And, and you know, hopefully when this all dies down, when the pandemic's gone, people are back to work and school, hopefully, you know, a small chunk of those people will want to stick around and be customers. You know, that's always a, a little bit of a silver lining at the end of everything. But if not, as long as we help people, then that's great, you know. Yes, and you had no idea that I was going to ask that question. So this was not meant to be a commercial. I just wondered how people could help you because we will get through this. As we wrap up here, Chance, and thank you for your time, my signature question for my podcast is always, if people could get only one thing from you about innovation, creativity, and making a difference, what would you like them to take away from your work? I would say that for the people out here that are listening, you probably have a lot of listeners that have not tried VR, and they think it's some kind of video game thing. And while, yes, it is video game technology that's powering everything, as soon as we put people in, you know, like sometimes a lot of people ask about questions about Rumi, you know, 20 minutes of straight questions that could have been answered in three seconds if they'd put their head in the VR headset and just see what I'm talking about. So a lot of people are scared to try VR because they think it's going to be this really weird foreign experience. But no, like this is the closest experience to real life that you can get that's not real life. You know, so it's a much more natural easy-to-use experience. And here's kind of a funny thing. Something I've realized is that sometimes younger people will pick up on the control scheme slower than older people because people in older generations, if they see something on the ground, they will actually like squat down and reach their hand out to try to pick it up. But a lot of younger people are thinking video games, so they're like, what button do I press to crouch or what button do I press to pick up? Like, no, you just pick it up. You're in VR. It's right in front of you. Like, but it's far away. Okay, as well, just like every object that's far away, get closer to it. (laughs) (laughs) So VR is probably a good chance that if you're scared of VR, you think it's weird, I can guarantee you it's not. Give it a shot. Hopefully you'll find a good VR experience because there is such thing as poorly made VR apps or hardware. And if you've tried VR on a cell phone before, just forget everything you know about VR and try it on a PC or an Oculus Quest, you know, because this is one of those technologies that seems kind of silly and sci-fi to a lot of people now, but everyone's going to have ARVR device in their home. Not everyone, but most everyone probably within 
five to ten years, you know. So give it a shot. And if you're looking for a game, Half-Life 2 VR comes out in a few days. That's going to be an epic experience. It'll probably blow a lot of minds and make people question reality. So, <laughs> or sorry, Half-Life Alex. Half-Life 2 was the previous one. <laughs> Half-Life Alex. All right. Chance, thank you for your time today. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Doc. You and I have been listening to Chance Glasgow, co-founder and chief operating officer of Seattle-based startup Doghead Simulations. Once again, their VR application, Roomy, is available for free during the coronavirus pandemic. You can find it at dogheadsimulations.com or on the Steam website, steampower.com. One more time, that's dogheadsimulations.com or the Steam website, which is steampower.com. Meanwhile, if you're either a gamer or you know a gamer who's looking for entertainment as we're all stuck inside our homes, you might also like to check out the brand new game, which Doghead Simulations is going to be offering, Half-Life Alex. You'll find out more information on their website, dogheadsimulations.com. That's dogheadsimulations.com. And that concludes this edition of Over Coffee. Thank you for listening. Listen to more Over Coffee podcasts at twomavericks.com. That's two, T-W-O, Mavericks, M-A-V-E-R-I-X, twomavericks.com. And you can contact us at twomavericks at gmail.com. The music you're hearing is royalty-free production music provided by Pond5 at pond5.com. I'm Dot Cannon. Here's wishing you a cappuccino day.